0: Welcome to Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Well, I'm looking forward to our podcast episode today. I had mentioned last week that I intended to do an interview and excited to have Pastor Matt Timmons with me today. He is the pastor of Hopewell Church in Ashland. And we've had an opportunity over the last um, year or two or so to get to know each other a little bit, and we are meeting together, talking today about the importance of the local church. And so, Matt, I want to say welcome to Crossview Radio. Thanks for coming. Thanks,
1: Sean. It's wonderful to be a part of this today. I've uh, deeply loved our friendship that we've been able to develop over uh, the year and a half or so that we've kind of known each other and, and it certainly um, warms my heart to know that there's a guy like you over here in Wayne County who is uh, seeking to minister to the people of God to build them up and you have a, a was a guy who has a kindred spirit to what I have is a, a deep desire to be a shepherd and and to propagate the the Word of God Mm. and its true beauty and uh, all its radical nature. Mm. You know, one of the things that encourages me,
0: uh, Matt, is just continuing to find guys like yourself and others. It just seems like, you know, sometimes you wonder, is is there anyone out there uh, preaching the truth anymore in, in the culture that we're in? And yet you find these little pockets all over the place of people faithfully preaching the Word preaching the gospel, uh, expository preaching, and that's just uh, an encouragement uh, to me. I know that we had a chance to do some uh, biblical counseling training together, and I just encourage to see um, uh, God use you in that way, and I know that you've done some of those things on your uh, Hopewell Weekly, which we could talk about maybe a little bit later as well, and how people can tune into that. But um, I wanted to start off today with maybe just a little bit of an intro to yourself. Um, Maybe tell us a little bit about the church there in Ashland, Tell us about yourself, how you got uh, started there, uh, so that people get to know
1: you a little sure bit better. Sure thing. Sure thing. Yeah, well, I actually am from Ashland. I grew up there, uh, so I'm a bit of a, a townie, you could say. Um, and uh, I grew up actually in a mainline Presbyterian church, and it was one of those churches that is bereft of the gospel. Hmm. Uh, you know, we I was blessed in that I had a, a very strong evangelical youth leader at that, uh, that church that... Uh, sought to disciple me and some of the other kids in the church, so it's under his ministry that I came into to uh, the faith and uh, found true salvation. Um, but we continued on in that church, and uh, began to recognize not too long after that that the uh, the church was bereft of the gospel. And, you know, I, I wasn't theologically informed or anything. You know, sure. I didn't have a, a deep knowledge of of scripture, but I knew I I loved Jesus. I wanted to learn about the Lord, and you know, I I would go through services thinking, you know, I don't know that the Lord has ever been mentioned here. Sure. Um, hmm. So I kind of left that church, and I, I began attending uh, a lot of other churches in the town. And, and um, well, there I met some godly people, some great evangelicals. I, I never felt that I found a church that had a real grasp of the, the Scriptures and... Mm-hmm. Um, it's when I went away to school that I, I began to be trained in the scriptures, and uh, when I got into seminary, I learned about church planting, and <clears throat> I, I began praying for my hometown that uh, they would, they would uh, be exposed to the great truths of, of, of the Reformation and the Reformed faith as I was learning mm-hmm. these things. I was really being turned on to Reformed theology, mm-hmm. uh, the depth of the sovereignty of God, the Godness of God, and, mm-hmm. and how powerful He truly is. And I began praying for my parents. And when I found about about church planting, I, I began plant, praying. Well, yeah, let's have a, a solid reformed church planted there. And When I came to the end of my seminary training, I thought, well, you know, maybe I should do it. Maybe I'm the guy. <laughs> um, so my wife and I, we we packed up, we moved back to Ashland, and uh, we we began to minister here. And, um, the first church plant we had it didn't really take off it it kind of shut down after a few mm-hmm. few years it it um you know the the market crashed in 2008 and some of my supporters needed to back out and mm-hmm. you know, the church didn't really grow a lot it was really struggling so we ended up closing that one um began uh, attending another church and they had just gone through a, a crazy a split uh, and they were uh, kind of on the verge of closing themselves, and uh, the the fellow who was there who was doing some of the teaching, he couldn't really carry the load by himself, so he asked me to to join on, and mm-hmm. I, I, I was uh, happy to do so. so. And little by little over the years, the, they began to hire me on full-time, and, and the church was growing. It was just a wonderful, wonderful experience to have such mm-hmm. great friends and, and a great place to minister. And uh, then about three years ago, we... Um, we decided, some of the families decided we wanted a, a family-integrated Reformed church in Ashland, the, the city. We were down in the southern part of Ashland mm-hmm. County. Uh, so we we kind of branched out. We we started forming, uh, started gathering together for worship and for Bible study, and that's that's where Hopewell was really, hmm. really birthed right there. Amen. Well, it's encouraging to hear
0: Um just the gospel going forward, and it's it's we live in a culture that we need church planting. You and I are both church planters, and we need that because, as you mentioned, the the, the churches by and large are abandoning the gospel, abandoning hmm. the the sovereignty of God, and really uh, elevating one of the things I talk about in our church oftentimes is the two things that are connected together are your view of God and your view of self. Mm-hmm. And we have a tendency, uh, even in our Christian churches, uh, unfortunately, to elevate self and to really put God down. Today's uh, talk, as I mentioned, is going to be on the importance of the local church, and I want to kind of make a transition to that now and maybe ask you some of your thoughts from from your perspective and obviously from, from Scripture. But, um, you know, as I was thinking about this conversation today, singing about the fact that we we really live in an online culture. Everything is online. You can order your groceries and all of your household items while yeah. you're sitting in your pajamas. <laughs> right. And church has become, on, has come online too. And And certainly we acknowledge the value in online resources that are available for the Christian. Yeah, However, absolutely. church itself now is online. You can sit in your Lazy Boy, and you can watch church services from any church that you want. Um, and, and certainly, if you're providentially hindered in some way, uh, those things can be valuable. Um, some people who are bedridden or whatever um, may, may benefit from something like that. But let me just ask this question, Matt. Why, why should uh, participating in church online only— um, or, or having a large diet of that, why is it? Why should that not be the norm for the Christian?
1: Well, yeah. Well, let me first say that I'm a, I'm an internet junkie, and uh, uh, anybody who knows me knows that when the internet goes out of my house, it's it's like I've reverted back to some caveman type instinct that I have to survive. So uh, I am the first one to say that the internet is a great blessing of God. And, as you said, there is so much richness that we can now draw from out there in the cloud and, mm-hmm. and that just makes for uh, great helps in the spiritual life uh, in the walk with christ uh, and and as you said, there can be some reasons why why uh, uh you know, online church may be acceptable in certain circumstances where one's hindered from getting out but um You know, one of the things that has always resonated with me is the fact that the Son of God himself was always diligent to be in the worship of God, Mm. to be in the synagogue. I think Luke chapter 3, somewhere in those early chapters of Luke anyway, it it talks about how Jesus went into the synagogue as Mm. was his custom, Mm. I mean, if anybody had a reason to skip church and just kind of do church off on his own, <laughs> I mean, it was the Son of God. I mean, Jesus, yeah, he sure. could do that. Uh, but even with all the, the evils, the evil people, the maybe heresies, and, and all the sin that could be in the, the local church run by you know Pharisees and, mm-hmm. or Sadducees or something, Jesus sat in those pews each week. Uh, because he knew how important it was to be linked in and to have those relationships mm-hmm. of ministering, encouraging, and most of all, just mm-hmm. the worship of God uh, from week to week, participating in it. And I, I think that's really the difference between an online church and, and um, actually being in worship. Is Online, you, you, you kind of watch worship you might sing the songs with them, but mm-hmm. um, uh, you, you're not really engaging yourself with the people in, in in the context of worship, engaging in worship where God has ordained it to take place. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can add to that too that relational aspect of of being one with another sure. and and gathering with God's people. There's there is something that is. Uh, so deep in, uh, maybe even a mystical connection uh, of our union and communion with Christ, it is displayed and and uh, gained from our union and communion with each other in the context of that fellowship. Mm. You know, one of the things that I see when I look
0: at kind of our culture today is I always watch out for um, the the thinking of the culture to seep into the church, and unfortunately. Um, many times that that ends up being the case. The church should be the driving force in the culture, and oftentimes, uh, and and maybe we can use the word church more broadly, just, um, you know, in America, I mean, the the, the culture is driving that body, um, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I think I see oftentimes is um, there's kind of this postmodern flavor, you know, where my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth— this postmodern flavor where we, we, we cut ourselves off from any meaningful relationships in the church. There are no standards of morality outside of myself. We privatize our relationship with God and we isolate ourselves as kind of this little island. Um, and I think it really goes to show that we have a tendency to take our cues from the culture around us instead of scripture. And so now uh, we live in a culture where everything is so private that, that there's no accountability, there's no mutual encouragement, there's yeah. there's none of those things. And if we do attend church, uh, our, our church attendance is kind of, you know, slip in and slip out and avoid any kind of conversation. Um, do you see that same kind of postmodern, perhaps, just isolating
1: myself? The culture, absolutely, absolutely, and I would say that I'm I'm prone to that as well as a as a guy yeah. who is an introvert and that is my <laughs> natural tendency. Uh, you know, I I could easily you know you know follow those patterns as well. So. <laughs> Uh, i recognize my own limitations and and given the context of, our, of the the american mindset we're we're very individualistic yes uh, we live by the existential you know my choice my yes. experience my uh, it, it all revolves around me yes um and, and so the all everything about our culture v- flows in that direction to to think that i can just get everything i want you know from the internet and on my own Whoa. And that would that would probably be be the basis of many breakups and marriages too. There's mm. there's not this idea of a, a covenant with another group of people of being right. bound in in a, a sacred bond to mm. each other. Um, you know, I, I always all think about Proverbs eighteen one uh, in this context. I mean, the, the, this this proverb applies in many different ways, but especially in the context of the local church. It says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own gain. Hmm. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Hmm. Uh, there's the idea there that wisdom, the wisdom of God is is relational. It is in context of others. Even the Trinity itself is that relational uh, context. Yes. Uh, and whoever isolates himself, he... he what what is it? He's he's really being selfish. Mm-hmm. He's seeking his own interest. My my time. Uh, my my form of church. Whatever I, I want my form of church to be. Or mm. or if someone um, you know offends me in a church, or I'll go find another church. Or which just breaks down the, the, the covenant continuity yeah. of the local church all that more. Yeah. It it, it really yeah, it really boils down to this: that that the local church. Is not about you and I. Mm. It, it is about the first and foremost, the Lord is mm. seeking yeah. his will, mm-hmm. seeking what he wants, and also seeking that interaction with the rest of the people of God, mm-hmm. giving yourself over to their needs and to their service and to their joy. Uh, I know that you know when I'm in the context of worship, one of the things that brings me uh, the most joy is knowing that my brothers and sisters are there worshiping alongside me. Yes. I love hearing their mm-hmm. voices. I love, uh, we have different uh, leaders, uh, lead part of the service in our our worship team is made up of, of a bunch of young people. I love being able to look up there and see uh, a 16, 17 year mm-hmm. old standing there enjoying leading worship and, and participating, giving his soul over to the Lord. Uh, that that is something that encourages the people of God and uh, it, it can only be possible if you defy that postmodern mm-hmm. experience that that you
0: mentioned yeah I, I th- when you say that I mean the verse that comes to mind for me is Hebrews chapter ten because uh, mm-hmm. when we when we isolate ourselves and we are not uh, exercising our gifts in the local church we are robbing others of a of that blessing, of that encouragement. You're being encouraged by seeing other people lead and point, point you to Christ in worship. And yet, um, when we when we ignore that, we, we lose out on those opportunities. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, and I think I brought this verse up when I did um, church membership series recently, but I'll bring it up again here. Uh, he says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In other words, this idea of meeting together, stirring one another up, it really has as its first focus, um, not me, but others. Absolutely. It's others-based. Yeah. I'm part of, and, and certainly we would acknowledge that we, sh- that we receive blessing from the local church. We're not denying that at all. Right. However, when I go to the local church, I need to be thinking: How can I be an encouragement and blessing uh, to other people? Uh, perhaps not knowing what they're going through that week, but but pointing them to the sufficiency and satisfactions available in Christ.
1: Absolutely. So, the well, maybe a, even a practical illustration of this: sure. you know, We're we're in the midst of the um, uh, the teenage years with some of my kids. I have mm-hmm. a uh, a seventeen year old daughter and a. A uh, almost thirteen-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. uh, so we're we're getting into the that sticky waters of <laughs> of parenting that that uh, just seems so nebulous. And what do I do? Um, just why don't they just go back to being four and five like they're supposed to be? But you know where, yeah. You, it's as I am interacting with the other parents there in our local church, uh, not necessarily that they're giving me parenting advice, but I see how they're interacting with their mm-hmm. teenagers. Like, yeah. oh, you know, I've can. i I've been provoked, I've been stirred up yes. to love and good works by seeing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the same thing for for any parents that may have younger kids, they can hear how we interact with our yeah. younger ones and... And you know, having family devotions. Oh, you guys have family devotions. Mm-hmm. That that sounds like it's a good thing. You know, mm-hmm. th- these are just that's just one example of sure. what that passage is is talking about. Absolutely, I and I could
0: echo the same thing. I, I've been, I've been benefited uh, myself, and and even in that area specifically of parenting, uh, by by church members. It is. It's not just you know I I go to the local church and yes as as the pastor I'm I'm delivering the messages and and leading in that way and yet I walk away uh, continually edified by the people over and over and over again and that is something that is so crucial to my own walk
1: uh, with with Christ. Yeah, absolutely. The the idea of another proverb: whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Yeah. You know the the companion of fools is going to hurt. I think that's how the rest of the verse goes. But mm-hmm. that first part, walking with the wise, spending time with people who are godly, and and even people who are older. Uh, we we haven't that postmodern isolationist views. You know, mm-hmm. old people they don't uh, they don't have anything to contribute to me. Uh, But boy, as you hear their stories, as you interact with them, and you see the the depth of integrity that they Mm -hmm. ooze oftentimes just because they've walked with the Lord so long, um, that is a a sermon in and of itself Mm. that you can't get anywhere else. Mm. Uh, I want to read you a quote here, and uh, this
0: is from uh, the book Awe by Paul Tripp. He says this. He says, People move from church to church as if the churches in their community are nothing more than ecclesiastical department stores. They're shopping for just the right preacher, women's ministry, youth ministry, or worship style. These Christians' relationship to the church mirrors my relationship to Macy's. If I go to Macy's looking for a certain color and style shirt and they don't have it, I feel no guilt whatsoever in leaving Macy's and going to look for it at Bloomingdale's. I move from store to store until I find what I want because my commitment is not to a particular store, but to myself and the satisfaction of my desire for that shirt. Hordes of Christians have this kind of church lifestyle, and they will, like shoppers, chase the deal of the moment. Maybe that's running after the celebrity preacher, the cool Saturday night worship band, or the best youth program ever. They are high expectation and low commitment attenders, and there's a good possibility they will soon be worshiping somewhere different from where they are right now. Uh respond to that quote a little bit. <clears throat> in a particular, this statement here, he says, I move from store to store until I find what I want, because my commitment is not to a particular store, but to myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you see that playing out in the
1: local church? Well, yeah, it, beautiful quote. Uh, Trip has always got uh, red-hot stuff. <laughs> um, it it goes along with that what I mentioned earlier of understanding your relationship to the local church as a covenant. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we at our church we we like to emphasize this, and one of the ways we do is that we have people uh, take membership vows mm. and uh, they stand before the congregation and take these vows. It's mm. sort of a a public profession of faith sure. and an affirmation of what they are getting into. And we had a, a, a couple that we recently were, were, were coming into membership. They're getting ready to take their vows. We, we were going over some things. We were going over these vows, and and we are emphasizing how important they were. And uh, the wife says, well, it's kind of like a marriage, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely got it. it. It is. It's a covenant where you are—one you, uh, of the vows, as a matter of fact, is, is, do you promise to support the church in its worship and work? Hmm. And—, and uh, there it is. It's, it, it's not necessarily just about you. It yeah. is, I am going to love these people. I'm going to do whatever I can to support them. I'm going to give of my graces. I'm going to give of my my time. I'm going to give of my energy so that they might be built up. The idea of, uh, of you getting hurt in the local church, I, John, I, let's not Gloss over the 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 church is a happy place where there's only rainbows and ponies, and everyone gets along. and, and no, the the local church is a place where you're going to get hurt. It is risky. it is yeah. risky to become a member of a church,
0: yeah, absolutely,
1: uh, and... which i
0: which I like that you're bringing that up in the context of the marriage relationship. And I think it's good to see those things together, absolutely. The commitment there there is going to be hurt in marriage. And and you have to know that going into it, you don't go into marriage selfish. You go into marriage um, for the
1: other person to minister to them. In the church is the same way, right? So yeah, and it behooves you then to support the worship and the work of the church by mm-hmm. working through those problems and yes. all the crazy awkwardness that goes along with that. Uh, showing forgiveness, demonstrating yes. true repentance, going up to somebody and saying, "I am so sorry." Uh, will you forgive me? Mm-hmm. And when they don't do that, you say love covers a multitude of sins, or you pursue mm-hmm. uh, church discipline, which is another course of the local church. It's, it's a beautiful thing, uh, but there, there is true Christianity mm-hmm. of love, forgiveness, and repentance, and it's yes. in the context of that 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 brotherhood of of saints. Yeah, and I, I feel this pull.
0: Uh, as well. So, but I think our, our first reaction, our, our first desire when we get into a conflict or something awkward happens is we just want to run from that. And what ends up happening is we just go from church to church to church to church to church, uh, so that we can find just zero resistance, zero, um, difficulty, zero problems. And as you said, that's, that church doesn't exist. That's not going to happen. Um, but we need to be modeling uh, the, our, our marriages and our church and and we know Ephesians 5 those two those two um, entities are so closely intertwined together. in fact um, marriage was designed by God to be a picture of the local church. And so mm-hmm. I mentioned in the recent series I did on church membership that we need to be um, committed to our, our local churches. In a very similar way to how we're committing our marriages, we should never just casually throw off the relationship with the local church for, uh, you know, exchange it for another church just because we've run into conflict. We need to right. work through those things, like you're saying, seek out forgiveness um, and and all those things. Was yeah. it Spurgeon that said something in the effect of, if, you know, the perfect church doesn't exist, and if it did, the moment I joined it, I would spoil it <laughs> right. because of right. my own sinfulness?
1: Yeah, you know, the 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 essence of galatians 6 of of bearing one another's burdens uh, there that is the place uh, the local church is the place where that yeah. happens and we often talk about that you know like you know she's pregnant she just had a baby we need to bake, get her a meal you know mm-hmm. uh, but you, you, we bear one another's burdens yeah. in terms of of sin too i'm sure. i'm going to bear your your sins because i love you and I'm gonna bear the offenses and overlook them mm-hmm. because, you know what? That's what Christ would do for me. Mm. And it, it's just uh, the weight of that. You know, renouncing the easy egoism of, of American culture. The, the if I don't get my way or if you offend me, I'm I'm hiking out of here. You know, that, mm. that, what what Christ calls us to there is really anti everything American. Mm. Yeah. I wanted to uh, talk a minute about
0: just uh, a few different thoughts on what the local church provides us with, because God has designed the local church for um, His glory and for our good. And so, just to talk a, a few minute about a few minutes about some of those things, um, one of the thoughts I had was that the local church provides us with accountability and Hebrews 13:17 says obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you you know thinking about that in terms of first of all the weight that that is on a pastor's shoulders right to know that we have to give an account but there's this whole accountability system that God has put into the local church so that we can point one another away from sin and toward Christ, um, and yeah. when we when we forsake the church, or when we forsake a commitment to the church, uh, a serious commitment to the church, we actually are um, removing that source of accountability in our lives.
1: Any thoughts right. on that one? Yeah, you know, years ago, maybe late 80s, early 90s, they... They, it was real big to have accountability groups. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're a couple guys. We're gonna sit around the table. We're gonna, we're gonna bear one another's souls. And I, I once had a a guy say to me, I, I really don't care for those because you can easily lie. <laughs> uh, I mean, you can lie through your teeth and you can go on about your sure. week. And if you do get caught in your lie, what's the what's the big deal? <laughs> I mean, your accountability partner is going to say, hey, you were wrong there. And you can say, so what? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's not really what accountability mm-hmm. biblically is. Um, biblical accountability is when uh, uh, the leaders of the church can come to you and say mm-hmm. we're confronting you about this wrong and uh, we're going to hold you accountable because if you do not repent you know there's going to be consequences of of church discipline and and uh, uh, the church is there to reinforce the fact that mm-hmm. your soul could be in real danger about this, yeah. Um, another instance, you know, uh, maybe you think, well, I don't need accountability. I'm perfectly fine. And if you're saying that, you're lying straight <laughs> out of your pants. Uh, <laughs> but you know, how about the accountability of your your husband or your wife? You know, what what if your marriage breaks down? Your your spouse goes and is unfaithful. Uh, what's going to happen then? Well, if you're not in the context of a local church. You know, there's not much that can be done. They mm-hmm. can just go off and do as they please and leave you to pick up all the pieces and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, leave you with all your Kleenex as you're crying your eyes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you do have the accountability, the leader you can go to the leadership, say, "Hey, this is what's happened. My husband has been unfaithful. He's out and and now you can have the leadership go and say, "Hey, you need to repent of these sins. You need to to get right with your wife. You need to break off this re- relationship and be restored unto God. And uh, that that is true accountability when there is there is real consequences that can be uh, applied to you as a result of your sin. Hmm. So, in other words, what I'm
0: hearing is um, there there is part of the accountability is. The authority of the local church. The authority of the local church has to be involved, which is where some of these other accountability groups, like let's say, let's throw an example here and say um, you go to, uh, uh, you have a job, a secular job, and yet there's a lot of Christians there and you have some Bible study or accountability group in there. Um, That certainly would be fine to, to join, I would say. However, that's not a replacement for the church, right? Sure, absolutely. Because there's no authority in that.
1: Yeah, right? it, it can be good for spiritual nurture, not downplaying that. These these guys could get together and they could form a great brotherhood and they could deepen their lives together in the Lord. Um, but it, it's basically fellowship in, in uh, spiritual nurture. And mm-hmm. as you say, there's no authority, there's no consequences mm-hmm. from just being a part of that, that group. Yeah. Which is why we
0: need the local church because there is that accountability in addition to the authority. Yeah,
1: John, let me flip it around on myself sure. too cuz I don't want to come across as a guy on uh, so pure and on my high horse and you know I can just flex my muscles and you know excommunicate. No, it's within the context of the local church that leaders are Absolutely. held accountable too. Absolutely. As in our church, you can file complaints against the elders of the church mm-hmm. and and you can you can bring charges against if you're mm-hmm. not a part of the local church and you're you're not a part of our church, and you see me doing something wrong and leading the church astray, there's not much you can do about mm-hmm. it uh but you can stand up with a voice to um and, and this is where voting and you know mm-hmm. some of those practical matters of uh come in that, that are so important in the local yeah. church yeah absolutely i'm and I'm glad that you brought that point up because um,
0: the the authority and the accountability of the local church is for everyone, including the elders in the local church right And one of the things that I have uh, done is um, made it a regular practice to ask our church members but but even specifically our leadership to hold me accountable and call me out when that needs to happen. And that is such a crucial part of of church ministry that we kind of have this, you know, you know, don't touch the Lord's anointed kind
1: of mentality, <laughs> and whoa, because whoa, whoa. depravity doesn't touch That's me. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Let uh, me let me kind of flip it around and show uh, another little angle yeah, on that whole sure. accountability thing. Uh, oh, years ago, um, you know, throughout the, my ministry, people have had a uh, beef with certain things that I've done, mm-hmm. and uh, and I didn't think that they had any legit reason to do so. And I said, okay. Uh, if you have this concern, let's let's take that to uh, the leadership of the church, mm-hmm. and then. That's when they typically say, Oh well, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to upset. Mm-hmm. That's because they, they know they don't really have any grounds mm-hmm. to really bring those charges or make those accusations on a, a, a real public scale mm-hmm. where there's going to be this accountability. You know, well, scripture talks about how the, the false accuser is going to face mm-hmm. all kinds of, of consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's the beauty of accountability. When you have a body of leadership who can verify and make judgments between Mm -hmm. accusations, uh, that's going to bring account, it's going to vindicate your name, Lord Mm -hmm. willing, and also bring the false accuser into uh, his proper place. Sure.
0: Yeah. And, and bringing biblical justice to bear on the situation as Mm -hmm. much as, of course, being in a fallen world that we, that we can do by God's grace. So, Good. So, uh, the next one that I had here in mind was not only the fact that the local church provides us with accountability, uh, and we've kind of already hit on this a little bit, but spiritual growth happens, I think, primarily in the context of the local church. Um, In Ephesians 4 is the passage that I'll go to, but uh, verses 11 through 14, "...and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry." for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature and fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. And we would acknowledge, certainly, that an individual believer— can open up the word and God works in their hearts we're not Amen. denying yeah. that at all but we also are saying that spiritual growth does happen in the context of the community of believers in Christ and that's why God has given to us the church one of the reasons why he's given to us the church um, can you comment on that at all
1: yeah yeah well I think just the the New Testament as a whole uh, speaks to this. I mean, Paul wrote letters to specific churches. Uh, The letter to the Corinthians was instructional uh, teaching for their problems in that particular church, that they might be built up, edified, and brought Mm -hmm. to repentance. And same thing with, uh, you know, the letters, the the pastoral epistles, Timothy and Titus. He was writing to guys who were in the context of a local ministry situation where They were um, able to instruct and encourage the people of God. Mm -hmm. And and certainly we understand that it's in the context of the local church that worship happens. It's the meeting of God and his people. That's the mini definition I I like to use for worship. It, It is where God comes in and among his people to minister to them by his word, by the sacraments, Uh, Something that is very much downplayed today, the the Mm -hmm. impact and the the power Mm -hmm. that the gospel is being displayed uh, and and, uh, uh, brought to bear on people's souls as Mm. they participate in baptism in the Lord's Supper. Uh, All these things are are, uh, just uh, sticks of dynamite uh, to explode in the soul, to build them up. Uh, rather than tearing them down. I know know that that may work, uh, that analogy works too well, but I think you understand (laughs) what I mean. It's powerful what happens in the context of worship. Sure.
0: And if we love Christ, we should love those whom he's redeemed. Uh, And and I think that's an important aspect of of that and and the spiritual growth. And that makes us, you know, as we're growing in likeness, it makes us be patient with one another. Sometimes we want to pull ourselves out because we just don't have the patience to go through all the mess, mm-hmm. and yet it actually works in us to cause us to become more patient and to grow in numerous ways uh, to, uh, to be, as we read here, the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. Um, we talked a minute ago about Hebrews 10, um, so I won't mention uh, too much more about that, but this idea that in the context of the local church, there is a mutual encouragement that happens with a, with a focus, an outward focus, you know, um, let's encourage one another. That Hebrews 10 passage is not primarily saying, well, if you don't attend church, boy, you're going to miss out. Yes, you will. (laughs) But the, the thrust of the Hebrews 10 is if you don't attend church, there are people in that local church who are going to be deprived of the blessings that you could have brought to the local church.
1: Right. You know, in, in, uh, physics, they talk about kinetic energy, the energy mm-hmm. that is used when one thing bounces off another, and really that's what you find in the context of, of the local church. You, you, People are bouncing off of one another, and and their examples, their life examples, their, their words that they speak, maybe a testimony that they give in the context of... Uh, we have a time where we open up um, for prayer requests and praises, and it, it's always encouraging to say uh, to hear someone else say their testimony, what the Lord sure. has done in their life. Uh, one of the one of the programs that we have is uh, the National Bible Bee. Kids mm-hmm. are, are learning memory verses. Uh, kids up, I mean, thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of of memory verses. It's mm-hmm. amazing what these kids are learning, and uh, we'll we'll have parents stand up and and say, you know, um, I'm I'm so amazed at mm-hmm. what this. This is done for my child, and what uh, what they've yeah. learned through these you know few weeks of of scripture memory sure. uh, and you know boy, uh, an old guy like me the heart <laughs> it just explodes to hear yeah. that uh, these families are growing in in such a way. yeah
0: I want to uh, kind of culminate here with with one thought on the importance of the local church, and we we talk about the importance of the local church in terms of the way that it it benefits us. If we if we miss out on this, if we pull ourselves away, we lose out on uh, a lot of important things. Mm-hmm. However, ultimately, and I think you maybe started off with this a few moments ago, it's ultimately not about us. It's about Christ. And so, I, I think perhaps maybe we could say the biggest reason that the local church is important is because Jesus Himself loves the church, and died for the church. Jesus redeemed his bride. And yes, we hurt ourselves when we abandon the church, but worse than that, we dishonor Christ. And I want to read Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, that says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So he's talking about husbands loving their wives, and then he transitions to talk about the relationship between Christ and the church And then he's going to make a connection between that relationship and marriage. But this is how he describes the relationship that Jesus has with the church. He says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And Jesus Love the church so much that he did all of this. He dies for the church, he sancti- dies so he can sanctify the church, cleanse her with, with the washing of water, and all of these things. And then we, we end up despising the church. And, and, I, and I say we, again, as you uh, pointed out earlier, this is not just about you know um, um, people in the church and the pastors and ex- elders are exempt from this you know we can have a tendency as well mm-hmm. to say you know oh boy
1: i i just don't want yeah. to go to church <laughs> today kind of thing yeah you know you john one of the passages that i thought of when you read that ephesians passage is paul's address to the ephesians mm-hmm. in acts 20 As he's saying farewell to them and calling them to shepherd the flock and fulfill their duties to to pay pay careful attention to themselves and and watch out for people who would sneak in and and be Mm -hmm. wolves that tear them apart. In the midst of that, he says, um, he, he calls them the church of God, which he obtained by his own blood. So there you have a specific connection yeah. between the blood of Christ, yeah. the elders, and the people of a local church. Mm. Not just a general, broad, capital C church, right. universal church. But it's there, uh, these people were bought with his blood. And so you have that union. And I, I really appreciate your bringing that out. And one thing that I always emphasize is the the fact that it's in the local church where you find the identification with God mm. and with his people. Yeah. You know, a, um, a police officer will, will, he'll be a part of the police precinct or the, the fraternal order of police. And so you identify him. Are you a police officer? Yeah, you see where I go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a Christian because I'm a part of a local church. These are my people. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, I, I publicly proclaim in the midst of this group that this is my God. Mm-hmm. This is who I follow. Amen. And you cannot extract those two things. Amen.
0: Well, it goes without saying that uh, one point of application from our whole conversation today is that you find a solid local church and and commit to that church. And we didn't talk about this, but we could talk a whole other episode on, you know, finding um, a solid church and what that looks like and and the theology behind that. Um, But at least one church I would like to commend to you is Hopewell Church. If you're in the Ashland area, uh, I would encourage you to to visit uh, Matt and, and the church there. Uh, in fact, when I was looking at your website this morning, just kind of refreshing myself, I saw that you will buy someone coffee or lunch. Is that true, Matt?
1: <laughs> that is uh, that is true. I will do everything I can to carnally entice you into the uh, Lord's midst. Uh, uh, I would encourage you to take Matt up on that offer, um, reach out
0: to him, and uh, maybe get lunch with him and just talk a little bit about the church and about the ministry there. So maybe tell us, Matt, what the best way to do that is. You share a website, contact info, whatever you want to share here. Yeah, the best um, way
1: is go to hopewellashland.com, and there's probably multiple ways that you can connect with us via social media, emailing me directly, getting on our, our newsletter. If you just want to spy on us or just get some <laughs> teaching, and maybe you'll never come to our church at all, that's perfectly fine. We we wanted to—it to, would be happy to uh, sit down and discuss things with you you, just be a friend. But but I, I encourage the, the people of uh, this community as well. Uh, as I mentioned before, I really appreciate everything that Crossview Church is doing. I appreciate your leadership and uh, even this podcast of seeking mm-hmm. to nurture people in an, an online cyber way. See, here's the benefits of cyber stuff. <laughs> um, uh, I thank you so much for having me a part there today, well, John.
0: Matt, thanks so much for uh, coming. It's been a blessing, and I'm uh, looking forward to how God's going to continue to use uh, you and your ministry there. So, Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church Norville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.